You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. This episode and every episode of Socks in the Basement is, of course, brought to you by Cork and Carrie at the park. Do not forget about the big event that is coming up opening weekend on the 28th, pre and post game with Socks in the Basement at Cork and Carrie at the park, corner of 33rd and Princeton. Make sure that you are there. David, how are you? I am fine. I'm looking forward to this Cork and Carrie thing. I will, so I'm going to be there. I'm going to get there, come hang out. You know, the place is great. The beer is great. The food is amazing. Uh, hopefully we will be celebrating a White Sox victory that day. It is It is a spot to be if you're going to go to ball games all year long. Uh, I, I can't believe, though, what we're getting into here. This is like the new thing that everybody's worried about. What is? What I, is? I, want, I just want to do this for like two, three minutes. Sure. I, I like to it. talk about White Sox baseball. Okay. And all I want to do is talk about White Sox baseball. And I wouldn't even bring this up if it wasn't going to possibly affect my White Sox baseball, oh, I but know now I know where you're going. Twitter is all a buzz with this worry that we will either be rescheduling games or playing games without crowds or moving games around or maybe the opening weekend series goes to the other ballpark or whatever because of the coronavirus. And I am, for the first time ever, very happy that Major League Baseball owners are a greedy pool of, of <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that just wants to make money like well, they, yeah. thank god they are because i don't want to see any games canceled for this i was reading this article i just want to bring this up and I, you know everybody politicizes this and everybody wants to like give their opinion everybody's instantly a doctor like people keep grabbing things off of shelves and packing up their cans and getting all excited meanwhile i interviewed the guy who is the co-chairman of the Southside irish parade for the ep podcast that's the podcast that i do that covers Evergreen Park, Illinois. It's one of my other shows that I do. And I interviewed him just a couple days ago, and he's like, the parade goes on. We're not we're not stopping anything. Right. Have an extra shot of whiskey. The, the germs will fall off. And I love that <laughs> about him. But here's That's the thing. Funny. That's funny. There's this article that came out yesterday, and this should put everybody's mind at ease just a little bit. Just let's, let's all just take a moment and actually look at what this is. There's this article that came out on ABC News about the coronavirus, which everybody's very afraid of. 38% of Americans actually think you can catch it from drinking Corona beer. I want all 38% of those people to be placed on some sort of ship and sent out into the middle of the sea with no supplies. The ABC News story that came out yesterday talked about, it was more of a deep dive in the numbers. You know, we talk deep dives when when we get into White Sox stats, right? Of course. So let's take a deep dive in this article into the coronavirus numbers. (laughs) Fantasy virus. <laughs> fantasy virus and this stats. Is, and this okay. is why they shouldn't be canceling moving games or playing them in empty is there stadiums. Like, do, they, do viruses have like a whip or like a bat bip or they, like they anything call it, like they that? They call it fatality rate. Okay, fatality I, rate. I don't know right. what that means. Anyway, now, the best estimates right now for South Korea, because they're looking at other countries in terms of their fatality rate, is 0.6%. The best death rate that they're getting out of China is 0.7%. This, I mean, there's still there's people that are dying. It's terrible. But when you actually look at the cases and they have this guy who this doctor who they interviewed for this, who, you know, looks at infectious diseases, he basically pointed out that if you're under 70 years old, you basically have the same rate as the common flu. 
it's when you're older or you have medical problems that this becomes something that's actually concerning. I see. The other thing that sticks out to me is just here in Chicago, like Erica the other day, they got another case. She's reading on her phone. <laughs> I'm like, what are we up to now? A baker's dozen? You know, there's 13 million people in this area, at least. Like, it's, it, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. And here's the other thing. You probably already have it. For all the hand washing, my four-year-old walked up to the side of a hockey rink this weekend and was licking the glass during the game and picked up popcorn off the ground. I don't care how much hand washing there is, how much I go to Catholic church and I can't shake hands anymore. We're not, uh, they're not giving the wine. They don't have the holy water and, those, and there's no hand touching now in church. I don't care what precautions you take. My four-year-old is bringing it into the house. He brings every other disease into the house. It's coming. Is that why your four-year-old is the way he is? <laughs> so, so, but here's the thing. If you look at like the people that are catching it, it's like this guy's got it and then this other person got it and they never, they never met each other. You want to know why? Because there were like 20 people in between them. They have a mild case of it and they're not going to the hospital and getting tested. That's the thing. I think that if you read between the lines of this thing, people get this and not all of them get really sick. We don't even test people right now unless they show up at the hospital and they're like really bad. There's a version of this that's a very mild. I guarantee you this thing is already spread so far that it's out there. You have a health problem? Don't go to the game. If you're older and you're in the risky category, don't go to the game. If you have somebody you care about and you're afraid if you get it, you'll give it to them. Fine. Take those precautions. I know somebody who's I was talking to last week. His girlfriend's got a medical issue and she can't take certain drugs that would help her reduce her fever or make her better if she caught the thing. So he's taking precautions. Mm. All right. Totally get that. But Major League Baseball, what are you going to do? You're going to push back the thing two weeks? This is something that's going to be around for at least a year before they get a vaccine. You're going to play the whole season in an empty ballpark? Right. This, it, there's a point where this gets really crazy. Well, maybe if, if, you're, the, the, if, well, maybe, were, maybe if you're the Tigers, you'll play the whole season in yeah, an empty you'll play ballpark, it, right. but not because of the coronavirus. But, but the thing is, is that like this is getting to the point where people are treating it like Dustin Hoffman is chasing a monkey around in the woods of Colorado in the movie Outbreak. Oh, I saw that And movie. they're trying to figure out whether or not Morgan Freeman's going to drop the bomb on the tiny town to eradicate the disease. We're not at this point. That's all I'm saying. Don't cancel my Major League Baseball games. Don't move my opening day. Calm down. That's all I got. I, I'm sorry. That's all I'm saying. I'm just calm down. You don't seem very calm right now. I want this. I want to catch it so I can get it out of the way. You know, this is what Brooks Boyer is going to use as an excuse to not show up at Cork and Carry at the park. <laughs> Dear Brooks, I sit down at my nine foot homemade oak bar. Sad tonight. It's been several weeks of me trying to contact you. I left you a message. I sent you an edible arrangement with a baseball donut on the top. I've sent you emails and yet no response on whether or not you'll be joining us for our live show on the 28th of March. I can only assume one of two things has happened. Either A, you have the coronavirus and you're in containment. Or B, you just don't want to come on socks in the basement. It's B that hurts the most. We're a pretty good show. We've got tens of thousands of listeners. I bet you'd return the 108's phone call. 
I bet if Scott Merkin wanted to talk to you, you'd talk to him. What does Scott have that I don't have? Anyway, I write you this letter, mainly because the sound effects for typing a letter don't sound as good. But I've decided to step up my game for you. That's why you can expect your very own piñata. Delivered by piñatagram.com sometime this week. Please don't have Kenny try to break it open for you. He wasn't that good of a hitter, and he'd probably miss. I know one day I'll get through to you, Brooks. On that glorious day, we'll sit down and chat. On Socks in the Basement. March 28th, pregame, at Cork and Carry at the Park. Love ya, Chris and Dave. P.S. Don't tell Kenny I made fun of him because I think he listens to the show. P.P.S. Never mind. I'm going to air this. Well, we talked about the lineup uh, last time we hung out, and we kind of bemoaned the whole idea of putting Mankata and Anderson as your one and two hitters. So looking at the lineups, over the past week, I've been checking box scores because, once again, Thank you, White Sox, for not putting any of these games on TV. No, I have absolutely no desire to watch this at all. (laughs) Thanks for that. Um, But anyway, I've been checking some box scores. And what you're seeing a lot of here is you're still seeing a lot of the uh, Yohan Mankata leading off and Tim Anderson batting second. Now, they have he has switched that up a little bit. He has got Tim Anderson first over the past couple of games and Yohan Mankata batting second. Over the past couple of games, do Chris, my question for you is because I have a couple questions. Do you like this arrangement better, or are we still thinking? Because my, me personally, I want Leary Garcia leading off, playing second base, then put Mancada in the two hole, then you put your beef three, four, five, and six, then Anderson. I, you know, I'm still, th- I like him in the sixth or seventh, like he was last year. Well, he I, thrived there. I don't think there's another option except uh, Ricky's got his heart set on one of these guys leading off the other one batting I, second. I don't like and it. And if that's what he wants to do, then I'm, I would rather have, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'd rather have Tim Anderson lead off just because I, I like Juan Moncada in the two spot. Right. I like just, him having somebody on. I did like that stat that Sox nerd said that for some strange reason, the first at bat of the game, Tim Anderson is a beast. Like he just comes up with some mindset, and I, maybe it, it, I don't know what he does. Does he listen to some certain song in his headset? Gets him all fired up. He goes walking out there. He's just thinking about that one at bat for like three hours, and he's super ultra prepared for it because in in that part of the order overall, his stats aren't very good. But it's about 120 at bats or something where he's been the leadoff, that that actual top spot where he's where he's up there and he's swinging to the first pitch of the game that. First at bat of the game, not the rest of the game, but first at bat of the game, incredible statistical numbers. 
So I would at least take that I really, and not mess with who I think is going to be an MVP candidate in Yohan Moncada. I really hope that Renteria knows something about this that we don't because we saw success last year with the lineup that I just put out there. Now, we've also talked about that uh, eventually Luis Robert, who still tearing it up, by the way, uh, eventually Luis Robert's going to be there, but you don't want to put him there off the bat because this is a this is a guy's first season in the major leagues. You don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. So I get that. I'm just, I'm, I'm still, I'm just, I'm pleading for Leary in that leadoff spot. That's, that's what I'm campaigning for. Now, my other question for you is, by the way, it, it, we talked about this last week, Ricky Renteria. I, I said this out loud. You have an entire season last year yes. to figure out where guys should have been hitting. Yes. But if you look at the spring stats, both Moncada and Anderson, absolutely terrible batting right. second right. this year. Right. Okay. Uh, it, yeah, Moncada doesn't even have a hit in 12 at-bats, batting second in spring training, and Anderson has one hit in 10 at-bats, but both of them leading off in spring training in the small sample size. 12 at-bats for Moncada. He's got five hits in 417. And Anderson's hitting 286. They're both having rough springs overall. Yes. But this is what this is what's funny about this. If Ricky's just looking at spring, you can't do that, it. That's what. He, but that's what he's doing right now, and I I don't get it. What do you do with one Yerman Mercedes? Because this guy is having an amazing spring, and he is really forcing himself is, into a conversation. Is he batting every day? Yeah. When he no 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 when he comes up. When we actually put the full lineup in, how many at-bats is Yerman Mercedes going to get? I don't know. That's no, why I'm... he's not going to get any. He's going to barely get any at-bats. He's going to be a pinch-hit type guy if he comes up. And if they bring him up, I'm not upset about it. I, 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 know, I know I've stated what my preference is, is that I would rather have defense or speed or add something that gives you a little bit more versatility than a guy that's just a bat because he really isn't even a catcher. He's not going to play the field anywhere. He's not a great defensive catcher. You're really not going to put him behind the plate, and, and, except for in the case of an emergency. If you really want to carry a third catcher, I'm not completely and totally opposed to it. No, but I don't but think he will. I don't know if he's the best option to come in, but he's the darling of spring training, and you know maybe maybe give the guy an abs- a, a chance. But I, uh, Steve Parazinski said it last week. Yerman Mercedes is is Daniel Polka. He's Polka mania. Yes. And, and right. but if it's just the twenty six man we're talking about, and not a guy who's in in the lineup every day, I, I'm not going to get upset about it one way or another. It 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 is what it is with Yerman Mercedes. We'll we'll see what they end up. Doing. I mean, he's a D. I mean, he's a DH. If, that's if all he anything, is. yeah, that's all he is. He's so. really he's a DH who could, you could put behind the plate in case of an emergency. That's all he really is. So right. is that is that the versatility you want with that last spot in your twenty uh, six man roster? Is that is that the kind of versatility you want? Is there something that's more versatile? Is there somebody out there? that would give you a little bit more uh, ability to move things around and be creative in your lineup. It comes down to the the manager's preference. Right. That's well, what this again, is going to be. I just, I don't know, you know, the guy, like I said before, the guy's having a great spring training at this point. What do you do? You know, what do you do with him? If That's, he's a great, if he's a great clubhouse guy and everybody loves him and you know, the, the, the players and Ricky's getting a buzz that like, Guys are expecting him to make it, and it's like his own teammates are rooting for him to make it, and nobody else has really shined, and it's not that big of a deal to start the season with him. Then go ahead and start the season with him. I don't care. Right. I don't think he's the. I don't think he's on the roster all year long, See, because at some point you're going to need the versatility, and somebody down there is going to come up and take his spot. How about this? When Nick Madrigal finally figures out this thing that okay. he's trying to figure out, and right. they they decide they want to bring up Madrigal, 
Are you really going to send down Danny Mendick? No, you're going to keep Danny Mendick up there if he's playing well because he's more versatile. He can play multiple positions that are out there on the field for you and bring you more than what Yerman Mercedes does. Same thing with like Adam Engel. Okay, so Adam Engel's going to make the team. I'd be shocked if he's not on the roster. You you, you want that speed. You want that defense. I expect him to be on the roster. Right. So when the numbers don't work anymore, Yerman's back down in AAA. But if if he starts the season because nobody else shines... And the, and the buzz is on him and he's hot. And Ricky just wants to bring the heat and what's going on in spring training and have it carry over. I'm not totally opposed to it. I'm not going to sit here and rip him on it. I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm just right. going to be like, okay, fine. It's your 26 man. Your 26 man really shouldn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things as to what you're doing as a team. But if we get to a point where I'm watching in games and it would be great if we had player X is down in triple a, but we're stuck with Yerman. <laughs> right. Then you're going to sit there and say, okay, fine. I think you guys learned your lesson. Experiment over, send him down. That, and he's got to stay hot to be up on the team. And that's what he's got to be. And I don't think that he's the kind of guy who's going to stick around all year long and just be a great player. At some point, the heat is going to cool off. Okay. And then Yerman goes back to triple a, even if he makes the team. So I, to me, it, to me, it's almost, it's almost a non-story to me because I'm not too super worried about it. Are you or someone you know looking to learn how to play a musical instrument this year? Then you should be checking out Westgate Music School, 6527 West 127th Street in Palos Heights. Private music lessons for all instruments, including guitar, piano, drums, voice, bass guitar, violin, banjo, ukulele, and more. Are you a vocalist? Are you ready to play a musical instrument and looking to join a group? Westgate Music School offers group classes for rock band, acapella vocal, and barbershop quartet. Students of all ages and ability levels will have the opportunity to perform three times a year in a student concert. Gift certificates for Westgate are also available. More information, call 708-586-7002 or go to westgatemusicschool.com. There were two transactions this week that stick out since the last time that we talked to each other. Dane Dunning went down to the minors. You expect that. I did see He's going to go down. I He's going to pitch in the minor leagues. He's going to you know, keep working on his arm. And I'm really hoping we see him before the year is over because I think he can come up and he can contribute to this team. He's that guy that you've been sitting around waiting forever that had the multiple injuries. You wish nothing but health for him. And if he does get healthy, it's just at the right time. The big move, though, was the Yohan Mankata extension. And I was a guest on the Future Sox podcast this week. Oh, okay. It was nice of them to have me on. And I talked about it a little bit on that show, but you and I haven't talked about it. It's it's such a big move for the future. What it does is it gets Mankata at a price with the extension year that allows you later on, if you have a guy like Lucas Giolito who says, I don't want to sign a long-term contract. I want my arbitration years. Mm -hmm. I want to go see what I can be. And he continues to become a great pitcher or somebody else down the line. And you get to a situation where you're a good team You've either won a World Series or you've come close, and now one of those contracts comes up, and this guy's a guy that's going out there and looking for hundreds of millions of dollars. If you have these deals with Aloy Jimenez, with Juan Mancada, with, with these extensions with yeah. Robert, it gives you the ability to go out and keep a guy on your team if you find him to be essential, and you know he wants to come back, and you know you have the inside track to be able to retain him and all it does is come down the dollars, you still have the dollars available. And before you tell me Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't spend money, 
Let's remember they had a very high payroll when they won the World Series. When people show up, he spends money. He doesn't spend money in advance. Is that like spend money to make money? He makes money, and if he makes money, then he spends out of that pool. We kind of talked about what the we sort of talked about what the philosophy is as far as what Rick Hahn is trying to do here. And you're seeing that it's becoming a lot it, it's becoming crystal clear now what the goal is he is looking to lock these guys in for a very long time so that the Sox are competitive for a very long time so that what you're talking about here is an Atlanta Braves type situation where you're you're competitive every year for you're talking like a in the 90s decade. you're talking yeah. Braves, well, that's what I'm saying. Braves in the 90s right. thank you Yan- Yankees in the late Yankees 90s in the, and the right. early 2000s where you're yeah. you have these guys all locked in and you have them locked in long term so you can be competitive for a you know five half a decade dec- seven years decade whatever um and when you look back at all the moves Han made or didn't make it now points to that philosophy, which we've talked about, and and we're we're both okay with this. This to me is the right thing to do because you don't want to go through this long rebuild to be good for just a little bit, just to have just to lose everybody to free agency. You don't want to be what happened to the Royals. You don't want to be what what always seems to happen to the Rays every you know five to ten years or so. So I. I really like what he's doing. I really, I had no problem with the Robert contract or the Jimenez contract, even though a lot of people did because they're like, why are you spending all this money on a guy who hasn't played yet? Blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you're seeing why. And uh, I personally agree with the philosophy. The greatest, so, the greatest thing about podcast is that everything that we say is still sitting there for you to be able to go back and listen to. Right. Okay. Unlike on radio where you'll listen to a host who will sit there and say, I've been saying that all along and you're in your car going, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. Okay. No, you haven't. You can go back and you I've can got, listen I've to things certain, that we said. I've got certain Chicago radio and, personalities in mind that okay. do this all the time, but, but go but ahead. It, it, you can go back and actually hear what we've said. If you want to, if you have time today, go back and find the episode where the White Sox struck out on Manny Machado. A year ago. Yeah. That Go was back and find the ago. episode where we're sitting down and we're talking about that Manny Machado, the Sox missed out on him. And if it's not in that episode, it's the one right after that. We discuss at length that Rick Hahn looked like a beaten man at that moment, right? Yes, he did. He had realized that his owner was not going to be the biggest bidder for the biggest prize, that there was a limit. There was more guaranteed money for Machado from San Diego than there was from the White Sox, and his owner wouldn't give the deal that would beat what had been expressed the entire offseason. Ten years and three hundred million is what he wanted. Right, that's what it Ten was. Ten years and three hundred million is what he got. Okay, that had been the deal that had been expressed by the Machado camp for for months since the word go. Okay, so we said now Rick Hahn has to sit back and he's going to have to show me whether or not. He's a good general manager who can work within the constraints that his owner has given him. And his owner gave him monetary constraints. So what Rick Hahn has done is said, the only way that I can be competitive is that I have to find some sort of market inequity. What do I have? I have this talent. And if I believe in this talent, if if I'm here and I believe in it and it's here, let's lock it up early to keep their costs down because I know I only have so much money to play with in the pool. 
I have to get good and I have to see revenue go up before I could start spending it. These moves that you've seen Rick Hahn make, the contracts that he signed, the free agents he's gone after, and this locking up of guys like Jimenez and Robert and Moncada now, these moves are in direct response to how he got burned by his bosses a year ago. Right. When they wouldn't come through after he stuck his neck out in front of the entire fan base and had to take the hit, where his direct boss, Kenny Williams, goes and breaks the news with his sunglasses on. Remember <sighs> that? And, and he couldn't he couldn't wait to find a camera. This is this is Han's response to it. He he, not, he can't sit there and yell about his bosses. He can't sit there and 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 bellyache about it on a podcast. He he can't do any of that stuff, but he has to go into his office and he's a shut door and he had to sit there and say, How do I build this team if I know I have this constraint? Right. And this is the answer to it. And you have to give him some credit that he at least came up with a solution. I don't know if it's going to work, but I like the idea. And so it's a positive thing. Everything that's been done has been positive, but I believe it's in response to him learning a lesson a year ago. Well, and you still have now with these contracts, you still have a ton of financial flexibility going forward in the future. Oh, yeah. Like you said, if you need to lock up. If you need to lock up one of your own who's saying, nah, you know what? I want to go to arbitration or yeah, you know what? I want to go to free agency. I want to see what I'm worth. You have the money to lock these guys. You have the money later on now to put, to, to lock these guys up, to sign these guys. If you want, you also have the money. If there is in the future, a hole or a need that a, a need that needs to be met, you now have the financial flexibility to go out and get a free agent to fill said hole. I don't put it by Rick Hahn for a moment that he isn't sitting there now looking at what he has and the money he's spent saying, if we do well, if people come back to the ballpark, if the turnstiles are turning, and if all of a sudden my budget is increased to a certain level, I have enough room now, and with that increase, I could be a major player for Mookie Betts next year. If he doesn't sign with the Dodgers, that's interesting. I, I but I think that they really believe Mazzara's untapped potential, and the guy is tearing it up in spring training. He actually looks really good. I haven't seen his numbers. No, I'll, I'll look it up for you right now because he's actually doing he's actually doing really well. And it's kind of like one of those things where like I was the first person that was like, well, you know, give him a chance. I don't I don't hate the move. Let's see what he ends up doing. But but Nomar Mazzara is doing pretty well in spring training. He is right now at 22 at bats. He's hitting 364. Oh, nice. With a 462 on base percentage, slugging 545. He's got an OPS over a thousand. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a good spring for a guy that you have no commitment to, and you could non-tender when the year's over if it doesn't work out. Well, that's, and, we, that's, and you otherwise you have control over. And we speculated. For several years. We speculated that this was a move that you know Rick Hahn or somebody else in the you know. Hostetler, somebody in the scouting department, or maybe even Menkino, the hitting coach, looked at this guy, looked at this guy and said, you know what? There's something here. We can we can work with this. We can fix this dude. And that's so, a good thing. That that again is right. You want that because the major league scouting up to this point has been god awful and terrible. What does it say? What does it say about the scouting department if they've had such a hard time identifying guys like that? Right. And they move Hostetler to this nondescript role that it's like the worst kept secret around the team that he basically as General Hans or I'm sorry, as General ba- Hans. General Hahn. I mixed up general manager and Rick Hahn there. If he if he's basically Rick Hahn's assistant, he's the assistant to the general manager, and all of a sudden now the pro scouting gets better, isn't it obvious that he's like, I mean, you better make sure you're paying that guy. 
Yeah. Because he he's done fairly well in his drafts. <laughs> he's done fairly well. And now he's identifying talent on the other side. The other question, though, is how does everybody else keep their jobs? Because it just takes this one guy to walk in and all of a sudden start making moves. Well, it, and but, we don't know if he's doing it, but that's what the speculation is, is that Nick Hostetler is doing pro scouting stuff. And if all of a sudden you go out and you find the Mazzara thing in that trade and he start and he, and, he, and they were able to figure out what they need to fix and they fix it, that speaks volumes right there. You're right. I mean, and again, how do these people keep their jobs? Simple answer. It's a Reinsdorf-owned team. You don't fire anybody. Yeah, well, so, I mean, it's it's I'm OK with it being a family if we got the, some of the right people. They like you have a family, right? Right. You have a family. I have a family, right? You yes. got you got you got people in your family that are too bright, right? Yeah, you, right. Got, you got some people that exactly. show up at family parties. You're like, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy. Right. Yeah. And then you've got people who actually know what's going on. Right. So. And that's how a family is. So we if we have enough people that know what's going on, I'm cool with the family aspect. Let's keep it all family. I'm cool with it. As long as those in the family that. Haven't had a lot of success. Don't get to make the decisions at the dinner table. You know, when they go, hey, what are we getting for dinner tonight? And they're yelling that they want Thai food. <laughs> and the other people are like, ah, last time we got Thai, we all got sick. Let's go with a pizza. Okay. I, I As long as the intelligent family members are saying, let's do that. I'm fine with the family aspect. I'm totally cool with it. Keep, keep up the family thing. All right. I love it. I want to be part of the family. I want Brooks Boyer. To let me in. Let me in, Brooks. Let me in. You're going to get the cops showing up at your door with a restraining order. You know that, right? You know what? Brooks is, Brooks is coming. I know this. I feel this in my heart that he's showing up. I do. I feel in my heart that Brooks Boyer is coming. Sometimes you're just a boy with a dream. And all I am right now, Dave, is a boy with a dream. Well, you were, listen, to your credit, you okay. were once a... You were once a boy with a dream to interview Ron Kittle. Yes, and, you know and it that's worked. that's happened. It worked out. So you, you know, I was, I was the, I was the first person to go back on that and say, you know, because I was like, Chris, you're nuts, dude. Kittle is going to have you arrested, and it worked. And lo and he, he's been lo on three times. He's now, been on three times, and he showed up. At showed up. Right, I was going to say, showed up. We were there. Showed up at the park. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of love goes a long way in this world. Dave. I will give you credit, and I feel like credit. I'm giving some love. At this point, I would feel jilted if Brooks Boyer didn't show up at Cork and Carry at the park on the 28th and didn't show up for the live broadcast. I would feel personally hurt. Okay, Brooks? Well, if you, is that what you want to do? Is that what you want to do, Brooks? If you, you want to take, take this young, you're not so sweet, young. You're not so young. You're really not that innocent sweet Innocent boy, and you want to crush his dreams. If that's what you do to children. So, on that note, if you would like to see... Possibly Brooks Boyer show up, or if you would like to see anybody else show up, who else shows up on opening day weekend, or if you would like to see my partner have his hopes and dreams crushed right before your very eyes, come to Cork and Carry at the park Saturday just, of opening weekend. I, this, I'm just a boy something looking fun will, at a man something fun will wanting to have a beer with him at a bar. That's it. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.